I'm Daniel, the Past Life Regressionist, and it's time to begin. This is Timeless Spirituality. Mel, Mel, Mel. I could do better than that. <laughs> nah, that that works. Hey, Mel, how you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm doing great, Daniel. How are you doing? Um, I'm kind of second guessing my intro there a little bit, but it works. <laughs> it's quirky. It's fun. It's new. Hey, I say, you know, be you. See what comes out. I'm all about the spontaneous approach. Yeah, I kind of like me. Okay, wait. I, this is about you today, though, so we'll talk about me a different time. Um. Uh, <laughs> Okay, just settle down, D. Settle down. So, Mel, first question before we dive into the meat of everything: What is your favorite song that has to do with time, and why? Well, uh, first off, that was an interesting question because I thought about it, and being someone who collects a lot of music my whole entire life, you'd think I would know <laughs> like many. And when I thought about time and songs that deal in time or have time in their actual title, a lot of times they're not talking about time at all. And so like what song has to do with time? And of course, uh, my partner uh, said, oh, well, Pink Floyd time. And I'm like, yeah, that's a great song about time. That is an excellent song about time. And it actually deals with the nature of time. You know, we think about time and we're, we're young and then we're, you know, we're not so young and then we're old and we're like, where did the time go? Like my mom used to always tell me, she's like, oh, you know, the older you get, the faster it goes. And that is a great song. But the song that actually came to me, and this could be my Leo planet talking, is uh, a song that I wrote myself for my own, for a past band that I was in um, called The Lumps. And the song is called Waste of Time. And it was a personal song to me because um, I mean, A, I wrote it, but B, it actually has to do uh, with my South Node configuration. And we haven't said anything about this yet, but I'm an astrologer, so you might hear a little bit about uh, planets today. But the nature of the song is all about um, procrastination and how, you know, there's plenty of time, I'll do it tomorrow. That's what I keep telling myself every day. But now is now and not tomorrow. And I can just feel my life slipping away. And so it's a song about, I wrote it to myself to be like, stop procrastinating. You know, time is, it's, it seems so abundant when you're young, but if you're always living uh, with your plans happening tomorrow and how tomorrow is always there, then how are you going to live for today? And how are you going to make use of your time in the moment? You know, because cliche as it sounds, and it's very true is the only, uh, you know, the, our power is in the now. And so it was, I, I wrote it as a, a reminder to myself to not waste your time because you don't know how much of it you actually have so that is my answer to my favorite song about time is my own oh my god is that bad i bet it is <laughs> no no because i'm gonna pile on for you right now what's your favorite line in your song in that song mm, maybe slow down tomorrow because today is slipping away i think that and that's the final line of the actual song itself as i'm pondering that line right now 
We're always trying to get to tomorrow, right? I mean, these are for the future speak for people out there that are always like looking ahead. I mean, this is a little different than procrastination, but a lot of people live in the future too. If you're always kind of living for what's coming next, then the, the, the now is slipping right through your fingers. Awesome. Well, thank you for that awesome, amazing answer. And what was the line one more time? I just, I want everyone to hear it again because it was so great. Slow down tomorrow because today is slipping away. Well, I think we found our episode title. Lad to oblige. So who is Mel? I don't think I know that because I always surprise myself, you know? And I think who you are to other people is not who you are to yourself. There's a lot to unpack around that. But, you know, if I want to give it like a, a pretty standard act- answer is I'm an astrologer. <laughs> I live in San Diego, California. Um, I host a podcast called Energetic Principles. Uh, I have a business called Energetic Principles where I do astrology consultations and tarot consultations. Um, I'm a musician. If you can't tell, I already talked about that part. Um, I you have a really good around- mic. Yeah, I have a really good mic. I use that Sure SM7B. And really, I consider myself an all-around creative because I love to do all types of creative things. And um, astrology fits in there because I really think it has a lot to do uh, with, as Bernadette Brady says, the eagle and the lark. You know, you have uh, your intellect that can only take you so far, but then the intuition and the creative aspects of ourself are what kind of fill in the blanks in life. Um, So yeah, that is me in a nutshell. Well, thank you for sharing. All right, you ready to go back in time? (laughs) Always. Let's talk a little bit about your session. Mind recapping and what came up for you? Well, I'm trying to remember because it's been a hot minute. It's been a hot minute, um, and we did a we did a podcast episode on my podcast about it. So you think I'd remember? I do remember, and I have a wonderful recording that I've never listened to because for some reason I don't like to go back. Even with, you know, most things I like, just do it. And then it is, it lives. You're only looking forward. I'm only looking forward. But as I, as I just stated, I'm trying to stay in the now. Um, But if we're going to go back into the past and we think about that session, I had two, uh, two regressions, I guess you could say. I mean, one regression with (laughs) two uh, highlights to it. Um, One main one being, um, what seemingly seemed like the the last life, although who knows, we, we think we live in linear time, but that's probably not the case. Um, where I was a young lady who had just some things that just did not work out for her in life. And I believe uh, from what I saw or what was kind of like came through is that she ended it herself rather early. And so that was a big part of the session. And then there was another character who, you know, a couple of centuries ago, Johan, Johan, I do remember Johan, um, who was kind of the, the Renaissance man, as I consider myself a Renaissance woman. And, and it seemed like this incarnation or this memory, this served uh, kind of who I am today, where he was this jovial man that everybody really liked and entertain, uh, enter- he liked to entertain people. And he was interested in philosophy and astrology and in the arts and um, socializing, you know, uh, the man of wealth um, that really could engage in these types of things, you know, what in the 1700s or something like that. So in a nutshell, those, those were my, my two experiences. Do you mind if I jump in there really quick, just because the whole time thing? 
Oh, so I, well, you know. <laughs> I, I don't want to have to time explain it right now. <laughs> Just try to find that. That then it didn't come off too dickish, right? The way that what? I said that. Like, I don't want to time explain this to you right now, right now. Because you also <laughs> have no idea what I'm about to say. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm not one to judge folks. I don't have... I say things all the time that people are probably like, what did what she say? I don't know. <laughs> I'm still working on softening my edges. So if it came off that way, I'll work on it. I'm sorry. I don't think you need to soften your edges. I think that's that makes for bad talk radio. <laughs> well, then I'm not sorry, damn it. Then I'm going to time explain this one away. So you mentioned the, the 1700s. Since this is like a time show, I, I just... Yeah, you know, I, I want everyone walking away with with more historically accurate times. So I, I believe the Renaissance was more late 14th century. I'm sorry, late 15th century, early 16th century. Oh, yeah. When I say Renaissance, man, I don't mean in the sense of the Renaissance. I mean in the term of being a Renaissance person. Okay, because well, that's basically, on me since then. Because you, you did say Renaissance man. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, since the Renaissance, it, it That's me slapping myself on the wrist. Renaissance. Sorry about that. Uh, has, has, has talked about people that are all encompassing of many uh, talents or interests, basically. For those who might not know. <laughs> I'm really sorry, Mel. <laughs> I didn't mean to time explain you. I should have listened closer when you, you said have. Hey, man. you know, it That's was like, all there. <laughs> you didn't say that it was in the Renaissance, so I should have been on top of that one. I didn't. Now, if I said it was a Renaissance man before the Renaissance, well, even though, you know what? Because we're talking in the now, right? We're talking, by talking in the now, we have the term Renaissance man or woman or person, however you want to describe your Renaissance. It exists in our now as a descriptor. And so this is who Johan well, I mean, was. I guess Jesus even could have been a Renaissance man. Sure. You know, like we only are able to just, uh, describe something as such after the term is created. <laughs> so let's talk about Johan for a minute. If I remember correctly, there was an instrument that he played, right? Mm, yeah, I think so. I think it was, I want to say like a harpsichord. It was a, uh, it was a keyed instrument, um, which is so interesting because when I, being a musician and all, actually my grandma tried to teach me piano rather early and I was kind of like, eh, like I, I didn't want to do the practice part. You know, there was that, the procrastination. Like, <laughs> um, But when I actually finally got like a plug in uh, like MIDI keyboard later in life, kind of around my Saturn return around 30, 29, well, probably a little earlier than that, maybe 28. I got this little keyboard and I started composing things right away. And it just felt so natural to play this instrument. And even, even I was like taken aback. I was like, I must've done this in a past life because it just was, it was just so easy and intuitive for me that, um, I don't know. It's so seeing old Johan and his, his harpsichord or maybe some variation of a keyed instrument that I'm not quite, you know, up on makes a lot of sense to me. So let's talk about the musical component and how, it may have been what carried over for you to just like, oh, and also for anyone listening right now, what a MIDI keyboard is, it's just a mini, it's like a mini piano. And it's something that you plug into a computer for, I guess, either playing or recording. Right? Yeah, it's just a USB keyboard. It doesn't have to be mini. I have a massive piano sized one too. All it is, is it's an interface, a hardware interface that is plugged directly through USB into a computer um, that doesn't have sounds of its own. It uses uh, 
virtual, what's known as virtual instruments that you can uh, trigger in a, a DAW, which is a digital audio workstation. <laughs> you know what I think would be really cool is I think there's a, well, there must be a harpsichord in there somewhere, right? If you're, Oh, definitely. There's, that'd be there's, really cool if you plugged in and, and we're playing the harpsichord on your MIDI. Hey, I could, you know, stay tuned. Yeah. Get back to me on that one. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe the end of this podcast, we'll have a little harpsichord ditty to it. As a musician, where do you feel that that's kind of showing up in other ways? Not just when you plugged in the MIDI for the first time, but any other, let's just say free flow that you've gotten into where it just felt so natural, yet it was so new? Well, I mean, I knew from like a really young age that I wanted, like when I was like five or six, like my dream was to be a clarinet player in the New York Philharmonic, which is a very random dream for a young person. Uh, maybe not, but it was, it was for me. And I could not wait to be able to play in a school kind of you know, outfit of sorts. Like I was just waiting to get to middle school so I could, you know, join band and do all that and, and be involved in that. And so I just always had this connection and, and would even start collecting music when I, when I was young and my mom and I would go to a uh, record store like once a month to pick out something. And, you know, I had this really deep connection to music one t- um, since I was very young. Um, and even when I started, uh, got it, I actually got to start playing an instrument early. I had to unfortunately move to a whole nother state, which I wasn't too keen on when I was about, when I was in fifth grade, right before fifth grade. But uh, the silver lining to that move was that it brought me to an elementary school that actually had a strings program earlier than having to wait to, you know, ba- your, your typical band in junior high. So I had uh, the option, I p- started to play the viola which is uh, an interesting instrument in itself. Um, but yeah, I, I started to play the viola. I was like first chair immediately. I'd win speed contests. I used to compete in, uh, <laughs> in like all state and all county um, competitions for music and would get superiors and stuff like that. So it just came naturally uh, to me. And it got so, it was so natural that after some time when, you know, puberty started to kick in, I just wasn't showing up because I could easily skirt by and not put too much energy into it. And, um, yeah, and it it derailed my band career because of, you know, hormones, but, uh, but the music's always been there and it's, you know, since day one. So that's where talents that are carried over may be slightly detrimental. Although, I mean, on the whole, I see that as a positive thing that you just didn't have to work towards it because it seems like you learned it in a past life. If not one, then more than one. Uh, yeah, maybe it breaks up. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> I crashed and burned with that whole time thing earlier. Damn. He's still thinking about it. You know, <laughs> Taurus, they stew. I'm not stuck. Um, He's not stuck, not at all. But I came from a musical family as well, too. So it was nice not to not to negate that, you know, the past life. Uh, but it, I feel like it adds to it, you know. Um, so it's not like it came out of nowhere either. There was like a more direct genetic correlation of being uh, tied to musicians as well. Yeah, I believe they go hand in hand. Yeah. It's just all one yeah. big mesh pot or melting pot of of talent just taken from everywhere and and then <laughs> it's the the tapestry of everything 
Well, usually it's not our first rodeo with these people, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't believe so, but I also believe we got to start somewhere. No, that's some, true too. At some point, you're going to meet someone for the first time, unless there's that some. That's true. I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking too literally, linearly, and that I'm missing the point completely that it's all about. Okay, that's a whole other <laughs> episode. I will send you down wormholes. You'll ask me questions and then I'll send you down. <laughs> You've already given me a lot to think about today. Have you ever read the book, The Magic Strings of Frankie Pe- Pe- Presto? Pe- Presto? Yeah. No. By Mitch Album. Do you know who Mitch Album is? Mm-mm. Wrote Tuesdays with Maury. It's a strong name. What did he write? Tuesdays with Maury. Uh-uh. The Five People You Meet in Heaven. Mm-mm. No, 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 I'm Mitch. So he's my favorite author of all time. I've talked many times about his book, The Timekeeper, which is my all-time favorite book. I'm like, the way he just delivers, mm, I can't wait to have him on the podcast someday. I'm putting it out there. The day when I get to interview (laughs) Mitch Album on Timeless Spirituality is the day when I'm just thrown in the towel after that because I will have accomplished everything I've I've needed to. That's your peak. Then I'll hit that day. I'll be like, hey, I'm 37 now. Uh, I'm not going to throw on the towel yet. So, yeah, it's like, you know, even in these hypotheticals, I need to catch myself and say, well, that's not going to happen. You're not just going to stop. I can't just let myself be in my my dream. Okay, anyways, I'm really, <laughs> you're right, the rabbit holes. You never know what's going to happen. That's true. I say, I say when we think we know what's going to happen. So it's been a couple of years yeah. since I've read Magic Strings book, but from what I remember of it, in the very beginning when this child was born, there was this concept put forward that like this child or like when you're born, you you reach up and there's these talents in the air or something to that effect. And it's like you grab it and then it's with you forever. And I just, I don't believe that to be the case, but I just thought it was such a cool concept that a baby can just be born and just reach. And then they've got, you know, they've got athleticism, they've got acting they've got writing they've got musical talents they're a lawyer so on and so forth and well is it the act of reaching into uh the unknown do they know what they're pulling in the first place or is it to reread the book or is it luck of the draw is it is it just the act of the baby to reach up and pull something but is the conscious choice of what that is there i feel like with mitch album it's luck of the draw, but I really do need to reread that book. <laughs> Such a good book. I highly recommend Is it. this adult fiction? Is this what? Yeah. The, this, okay. Yeah. Oh, Context. it's amazing. Oh, God. He's such a good writer. Mm. So good. Mel, honestly, so good. I can't guarantee that it will change your life, but I think <laughs> it will to a certain extent. Or I mean, just reading his books has made me look at the world differently. His book, The Timekeeper made me understand the value of every second. There were two words in that book that changed my life, and the two words were not yet. It was at a time when I was just feeling very low and then just realizing that not yet. Something else is on the horizon. Like like we said earlier, it's like, you know, the universe has its own time. <laughs> and when we try to push it, it gets frustrating. It's true. With regards to... Not yet. Would you feel comfortable sharing the first life that came up for you? 
Sure. I think, uh, I, I find it interesting in relation to, um, just astrology and in general. And if you were looking at astrology charts for things like past life considerations, um, this, it would, it would fit very well into my natal chart and what I was born with. Um, so it may, it makes a lot of sense actually. How so? I think it's okay for you to talk about it right now because I think there may be some people who are apprehensive to have a past life regression, yet they may be curious about their past lives. So I think maybe just a little bit on on how past lives may be indicated in the chart is okay to go to. Well, I mean, one of the the key things a lot of people will look for, uh, especially in a branch of astrology called evolutionary astrology that does actually focus a lot on um, kind of where we come from, where we've been, uh, the soul's development, which when we think about um, reincarnation and in past life says it is, it's not, we develop in this lifetime that we're in right now, but the developmental, uh, you know, the, the developmental process of the soul is an ongoing thing. Um, over different incarnations. And so one of the first things people will like tend to look at is the lunar nodes in a chart, which um, you have two of them. They're exactly opposite. Uh, They are not actually bodies in the sky, but they're mathematical points in relation to the orbits of the sun and the moon and where their paths cross. And so we have a North node and a South node. And so the idea is that the North node is where, what you're leaning into this life, where you're, where you're going and growing and what you might be hungry for, you know, the dragon's head versus the South node, which is the dragon's tail. And that is where you come from that are, these are the gifts that we were talking about, but these are also things that could weigh you down or old past traits that need to be balanced out so that you can move and grow in the experience of a polarity, right? Because uh, the lunar nodes are in opposite signs of one another. So we learn to balance them. So that being said, in my own chart, I was born with the North node in Virgo and the South node in uh, Pisces. And, uh, you know, Pisces is a very musical sign and go back to the, the Pisces element. Um, and it's in the fifth house for me, which is uh, fun, leisure, creativity, personal expression, um, also children though. And so what's interesting about this kind of South node Pisces fifth house influence and this first past life that came up was first off, what's so interesting is about a regression um, that I experienced, and this could be all my water planets talking is through this imaginal process that you're led through. There's actually a lot of emotion that can come up depending on what the life entailed, you know, what you experience. And so that was a, that was an interesting part of the experience for me was the emotional element and emotional release, which Pisces, this is a very emotional sign. Uh, and it is the last sign of the Zodiac. It's a mutable sign. It's about transition. So the idea of release, uh, sits there a lot. So being able to go through this life that had its challenges, like one of the first things that I encountered in the regression was the, the loss of my father. Uh, and I think maybe my brother as well in what looked like a car crash, which left me with just my mother. And that was very hard for me. Uh, and what's interesting is that even in this lifetime, I was separated from my father rather early in life. And so had that correlation and Pisces can be known for um, loss uh, and, and grief and having to let go of something that can be very emotional. 
to you. So that was one of the first things that I encountered. And it made a lot of sense with my own sense of um, what I've dealt with in this life um, and having to let go of things that you love, you know, that can be a Pisces trait too. But what was interesting about, you know, when we think about Pisces as well, especially fifth house characteristics, there's like romance and love stories that live there. And a lot of times there's illusory love that can go along with this, this energy too. And one of the next um, kind of stops in the story was me meeting uh, some sort of, you know, some sort of man that seemed to be pursuing me. And at first I was kind of like, no, no, no. And then must have pulled out some stop because... <laughs> you know, fast forward. And it I seemed like he had a like, cool car, right? <laughs> he drove away in a cool car. Remember it's something with a car. Yeah. And so we ended up um, from what I could tell. And, you know, this is the thing too, with the regression is a lot of it was disjointed in the sense of what you, what at least, and this is my experience. I'm just, I imagine everyone to be quite different and how they go through their their regression and possibly at different times, you know, depending on, uh, I mean, Daniel, you know, you do a lot of regressions. I'm sure they're, are, are they not all the same kind of, I wouldn't say quality, but kind of experience when it comes to visual or knowing or emotive, et cetera. Oh, they're like snowflakes. No two are the same. Yeah. So in, in, you know, this is my, this is my first go around with it. And so a lot of the imagery aspect was, I mean, it was there, but a lot of it came more through like the feeling and the sensations that came up, but fast forward. And I had had a baby with this uh, man who all it was in kind of the picture was like me holding this baby and then him driving away. So I was a young mother who was left rather early. Um, and this once again taps into that Pisces fifth note of children, of uh, you know illusory love affairs where there's loss and disappointment there, and then it basically fast forwarded to me, and I never saw myself die. I never saw me taking my own life. All I saw was an empty hospital bed, and what I could imagine was maybe my presence kind of hovering over it. Like I was me looking at it and, and seeing this made bed as if it had, if, if the situation had passed and now that bed was like prepped for who's ever next, you know, kind of thing. And it just, it, it, like, to me, I knew what happened. I didn't have to see it happen. I knew what had happened. And so essentially, you know, like the story, as the story goes in Pisces, I'm not going to say Pisces is known for suicide, but um, there can be this hopeless and helpless feeling that comes from this energy or feeling like you're a victim of something or circumstance or life, you know, and, and, and there, and there is real victim energy that is associated with this, you know, with Pisces as well. And so we can't like just all pigeonhole the sign into one thing. And of course I'm saying more of the more challenging aspects. There's, there's a lot of beautiful things that are attached with that sign, which are the, the gifts that I have brought in. Um, but that is one of the, the harder parts about it is the, the sacrifice and the, and the letting go and, and the kind of that helpless energy. And it, you know, and it's a shame because, you know, I like, I left behind a, a child, you know, I, I took the, uh, 
I don't know. They say it's the easy way out, but I don't know if it is. It seems like it's, it's over quick, but it's still hard in its own right. So it brought up a lot of emotion. That's why Daniel's like, let's go somewhere else. <laughs> let's go somewhere where maybe, and that's when Johan came into the picture. But... Well, well, I just got to <laughs> jump in there. It wasn't like, hey, this is just happening right now. Let's go somewhere else. No, like, okay, let, no. Let's let this filter through you and all the release needs to take place. And okay, now there's this huge release that just took place. Okay, let's, yeah. Let's yeah, Daniel's a Taurus. He's that you're going nowhere fast with <laughs> Like, well, we're here right now, damn it. <laughs> there's lots of presence and, and patience and whatever you're encountering. Um, yeah, so it was interesting to see, but and it was emotional to process, but at the same time, it made so much sense to me. And then seeing the next life that went with it, that made so much sense too. You know, you, you see the, the harder aspects and you see the blessings. I mean, that's the nature of life. It has that kind of paradoxical, you know, <laughs> energy to it where there's, you know, we say good and bad, but of course that those are judgmental qualities, but, um, yeah, it, it, made, it made a lot of sense. It's like the signs each have their own expressions. Some are higher expressions or higher octaves and then some are the lower expressions. And I think what's just so cool about having your South known in Pisces in the fifth house, you know, again, it's the house of creativity, house of children is that both of those lives lined up with it and they make sense. Now, could you find correlations somewhere else? Had you been in, I don't know, the 12th yourself, no, being in the 12th house, which is, I know it's not, but I don't know, maybe you could find a correlation with those lives, but it's just so cool that it fits so perfectly with the fifth well, house. Well, and another thing too, I mean, we're just looking at the nodes. If you're looking at the astrology chart, you might look at Pluto, you know, where what's, what's Pluto doing? Cause there could be a lot of like past content uh, con lined up with that, which I do actually have Pluto in the 12th house, uh, square my sun and my moon. So there's a lot of energy there for that. And then there's also Saturn. Saturn is, you know, when we talk about time, <laughs> Um, I'd be out of a job time without Saturn. Keeper. Yeah, this is, Saturn is the timekeeper, and I have Saturn on my North Node, so which opposes my South Node. So uh, that's integral there too. And I, there's a lot more you can say about that. That's that's worth a, a, a class in its own right. But knowing those uh, those configurations for myself, I was able to. It is interesting. It's almost like theoretically knowing right because that's essentially what the studying the chart does but being able to regress back to see what comes up that's almost like the you know confirmation of sorts of what you see through you know the symbolic reading of the natal chart mm -hmm. i think they go so so well together hand in hand i mean look admittedly there's this part of me right now that's saying you know what i believe this 99.9 percent then there's that little part of me that's just saying, what if it's just archetypes being presented to you in a way to make something tangible that you've been feeling and it, it makes it more tangible. Look, I don't believe that to be the case. I believe that what you experienced were your past lives. Where was, was where, where, where works there? Grammatically speaking, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think it. It's always good to have healthy skepticism. I think that that's, that's natural uh, in someone who is a critical thinker. Mm -hmm. You have to have that level um, because at the end of the day, we don't ever truly know what is the you know, quote unquote true or real 
and not. <laughs> exactly. Since we're talking about the evolutionary astrology aspect of it and what could possibly even be archetypes, even though I know I brought that one in the equation, I wonder about some of the past lives that I've been shown. If they are simply archetypes because it's something that's so blatant in a way that's archetypal. And when I say archetypal, I, I mean when you have a lot of people who see themselves as Mary Magdalene in a past life. I believe there are a couple different possibilities for this. One, maybe this soul has just fragmented in hundreds or thousands of different bodies right now and living out simultaneously for whatever reason. And then I also believe that well, one is possible those people are full of shit and they want to see themselves so badly as Mary Magdalene. Although I would, that to me would be the least likely scenario, but I still can't rule it out. Yeah. But I also can't rule out the possibility that a lot of people will see themselves as Mary Magdalene because of the story that we've been told about Mary Magdalene. You know, that she was just a prostitute. You know, she was just this dirty pro. Granted, I'm, I'm not religious or Christian, so I don't, I don't really know what the Bible says about her. Just what I've heard. I believe that it's possible that Mary Magdalene was something more magnificent. I believe that in that part of the world that they were engaged in mysticism at the time. Maybe she was more than a pro. I mean, she probably wasn't a prostitute at all, and still, in my opinion. But in order to take power away from women, men came in and rewrote the Bible in order to degrade women. And maybe it's an archetypal story to show the power that this woman had and that it's inside of all women in one, one form or another. Maybe just not all women, but all people, that we all have magic inside of us. But there's something that's so resonant about the story of Mary Magdalene so that, again, your session, I, I would not chalk it up to any of that because, <laughs> well, it, it, yeah, because they, they weren't, they were just people. They, they were just people. Right. They weren't well, huge historical figures. And, and well, and what's interesting too, is that, well, a couple things. Well, number, number one is like history. We, we always have to question because someone has to write it. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but another thing that was interesting is when I did some brotherhood of the light store, uh, not stories, but um, some of their coursework, uh, which is which is an old uh, older institution um, that was founded or kind of like brought up by this man, C.C. Zane. And it was interesting to go and read about their take on reincarnation because they believe that reincarnation on the like we reincarnate, but we only we only incarnate as a human once. Now, I don't personally believe that, but reading about this brought up a lot of things for me because I started to quite, okay, well, let me read this. Let me question it. Let me see, you know, there's, and it's the idea that we move through incarnations, but through, you know, the animal realm and the vegetable realm and the mineral realm. And we're actually incarnating um, and evolving as a, you know, a spiritual entity, but we do so through all the facets of life on this planet uh, and then beyond. But one of the things that it brought up, cause it, of course it's going to bring up arguments, um, in favor of reincarnation not existing or, you know, past lives and things like that. And so one of the things that they had brought up, what, and what, what might explain some of the, you know, like historical figures and stuff like that is in kind of the archetype idea is that, that we are tapping into 
someone else's story, someone else's memory, you know, cause it, there's like basically consciousness is a big memory board of all memories and all of um, our experiences into this web of, of life and being over time, you know, it's multidimensional kind of like uh, library. And, you know, I guess that's what they think of the Akashic records and things like that. So their take on it is that you don't have, you hadn't actually lived these lives as you were part of that incarnation, but something about that person's story, which you can go in and, you know, in great detail, extract and, and find meaning in is just maybe part of your own soul and your own uh, process for this lifetime that connects with that in some way. So um, and they, they said a lot of things and, and sometime that I read that, so I'm probably like, you know, paraphrasing a lot of the, the main points, but that was, it was interesting. It had me take back for a second. I was like, okay, I, I see this. I see this. Um, but it just makes me think when you talk about like historical figures and them coming up prominently for people, if that's not the case. Two things that brings up for me. One, if that's true, I mean, I'm just thinking gluttony. Because of course, if I don't need to worry about anything, not not that I'm, I'm, I'm not just trying to be a good person, just for the sake of being a good person, other than you know wanting to do good on the cycle of reincarnation, but the Taurus in me just wants to sit back and eat all day and waste my life away, just with a bucket of yogurt, frozen yogurt. I mean, I'll eat the other kind. I'm all yogurt. <laughs> I really like frozen choice. yogurt. I just get myself an extra large pizza every day. Maybe go get a dozen donuts in the morning. I'll have a Coca-Cola here and there because I don't want to be unhealthy. But <laughs> My Virgo North Node is like, Daniel, <laughs> wagging my finger. The other part of me makes me think about my chart and how I wonder how that could play out if that were presented to me. I mean, for example, I have, well, let's use the house system you use, which is uh, whole house, correct? That's correct. Whole signs, and yes. Whole, yeah, whole signs. And I would have my south node in the 10th house in Scorpio, conjunct Pluto. So conjunct means together with the south node. What would that be an indication of what I'm coming from? Not who I am now, but just where I'm coming from. Well, it's such an interesting configuration for all you folks that were born during uh, <laughs> that nodal axis A to begin with and to have Pluto on the south node because my, my partner has that same configuration and it's in a different house. Uh, um, but there's a lot of intensity that comes with the, well, A, having a Scorpio south node, like and especially having Pluto there because Pluto is known as the planet of, of death and destruction and and you know, fire and brimstone, uh, <laughs> and just really intense, um, taboo, um, just you know, like it's so interesting when I uh, like just my partner, not saying that this is you or anything, but uh, he always talks about having past lives of uh, like you know, piracy or being a pirate of some sort, you know, not like, denying that of, one, yeah. You think of Scorpio and that those open waters, and there's a lot of deep emotional content that comes with Scorpio, and there's there is death associated with that sign too. It's like it's kind of like double death energy in one. Um, and so all the people that were born with you know, South Node 
wouldn't. And who knows, you know, think about 10th house, just that aspect of it having to do with reputation and, and career and finding your social standing and your place in life and pushing towards goals and pro progress in the outer world versus developing your inner life, you know, and the peace there and finding that you know, cause that's the idea of Taurus and that North node is that you're, you're moving from this idea. I don't want to say chaos, but there's a lot of intensity that's associated with Scorpio and Pluto. And then the South node, um, and change and dealing with change versus the stability of Taurus. Now you got a lot of Taurus in your chart. So you're already pushing towards that area. Like P you, it depends on, you know, who's helping you out on either end. Um, but it would seem that a lot of the past life content would be around, you know, Scorpio, uh, death and rebirth themes, um, sexuality, uh, you know, kind of taboo situations, investigations, uh, research, uh, you know, mur murders, you know, things along those lines being, being murdered or being a murderer, um, and having the reputation of that too, right? Because it's a 10th house energy. Um, so does any of that, like, is any of your, your past lives kind of bring up stuff like that or, or no? I won't say yes or no as I'm shaking my head yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Don't want um, to incriminate but, my past life self. Ah, we know Daniel's character in a past. Um, and it's interesting to think about too, just uh, for your own personal chart. Now that we have in the skies, we have the North node in Taurus and the South node in Scorpio, and you're coming to what's called a nodal return where it's always a very key evolutionary point in uh, one's life when they're around 37 years old, that um, it's just start, it just embarks us on this new chapter of evolutionary progress in the now, you know, in this life, not in, not in one past, but um but it's interesting because the, the eclipses that happen and the, and the nodal construct that gets uh, activated once again, it could bring up stuff that's buried in the past um, and where regressions could be actually very potent if you're getting them um, during nodal returns or reverse nodal returns, because you're already tapped into that access to So to extract it more, understand it and be able to release in order to evolve and push towards the experience that, you know, this life is uh, aiming to, you know, have you go down. It's oh, we always have free will around that. Right. But um, it could be a really, it, it could be a really potent time to do that. So 37, are you 37 out there? <laughs> Make an appointment. You're, you're good. <laughs> you're really good. And I think what's really interesting is, this all really came into my life on the reverse nodal or axis. That's what's called, right? When ah, my, yeah, when, when my you, north when it node was, reverse. Was, mm -hmm. was basically it was in when my north node. Or I'm sorry, when tr when the north node was in Scorpio. So this would have been like eight, nine years, nine years ago. Yeah, nine years ago. So about nine and a quarter years ago. <laughs> yeah. So that's when this all started to really come into my life, and I mean it was through death, the destruction in one one form or another. Yeah, you got that. And what's really interesting is I had a regression experience. It was late last year, so in late 2021, or late this uh, third quarter of it, when the sun was conjunct my Pluto, and it was a bit wider orb to the south node. I mean, because my, my Pluto's a couple degrees away from my south node. Still, still an orb there. And for everyone listening, <laughs> <Close enough. laughs> yeah, an orb means how far away a planet is from another planet or 
making an aspect to another planet and the tighter the orb, the closer that is, the more intense the energy, right? Would that be the best way to phrase it? Yeah. Or more yeah. potent the energy? The more potent it, it might be. And there's, yeah, and there's even more you could probably get beyond that. But that's that's the gist. So I had a regression experience where it pretty much covered everything that you said when you were talking about myself, <laughs> no Pluto there. And this all came to me in one day and I'm just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, whoa. Whoa, gotta it's write intense. A, gotta write a jingle about that one. <laughs> I mean <laughs> just the most I don't want to say the most horrific things that you could imagine. It's like because I had seen myself in other regressions as the victim. Mm. And I, I'd seen myself as the perpetrator of crimes. But I'd never really seen myself as the perpetrator of something horrific until that day. <laughs> that transit. Just like, oh, oh, well, wow. and that's a great that's a great point, because you might not have access to like, you know, that portal of memory unless these planetary configurations just happen to come about that allow you to see that. Because I know that's one of the things that was very important about um, our meeting on the day that we met is I can't recall it right now in my head. I'd have to go run the chart for that date, but it was a very potent date as for astrologically with transits in the sky for me. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's like, we have these special pockets a windows of opportunity to kind of see in and you just happened to uh did you say the sun was on it yeah yes and so the sun you know it is our point it. of illumination yeah. it's our consciousness it is like if, if you're going to shine a light on anything um the the sun is the most powerful spotlight to do it and when it shines a light on pluto a lot of times it ain't pretty you yeah. know and so i can see how you were uh how that changed you because that's the thing with Pluto is it, 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 it changes you. What came up for me was un, you brought up the word taboo there as well. And what came up was my understanding of why things that we may deem taboo in our society make me very uncomfortable. Mm. In our and, society, the 10th house, right? Mm -hmm. In, in the public, like, okay. And I mean, because it's like, when I let's just put it this way, when I get frozen yogurt, I get vanilla. I, I don't go crazy <laughs> with my yogurt. It I'm tells very, you a lot about Daniel. <laughs> I'm very plain. I'm very vanilla. So taboo things make me uncomfortable. I'm like, look, everyone to each his own. You can engage in whatever you want to as long as you're not hurting anyone. I think that's my mentality. I'm like, but have at it. Have fun. But there's just something that's always been so uncomfortable for me about it. And then after that day. Oh, okay. This may not be all of it. All of the discomfort originating from this one life where I did these horrible things, but it could be a lot of it. So I'm like, oh, okay, now I get it. Now I get it. And I saw myself with a club. Now you can take that as, <laughs> as you will. <laughs> yeah. I had, uh, it was a tropical beach. Okay. I mean, that's, that's the extent of what I'll say for that one, because it's, we've Fill been, in the blanks, people. <laughs> we've been good so far. I've been keeping track of four letter words that we've used. And so far we have zero. So I don't need to label this episode as explicit. The second I start venturing into that, I'm going to need to label it explicit. So I, I want to keep it clean, but here's the coolest part about that experience for me in that day. When it was done, 
Well, let me just say this. I slept for 11 hours the next day. I was so drained emotionally by that experience. Also, while I was laughing the entire time. Because it was like, ha, 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 I get it, I get it. I mean, not in a sadistic laugh like that. It was more like a chuckle. But I mean, I would sound like a little girl right now if I did the chuckle that I was doing during the regression. So, you know, 10th house, reputation, perception, everything. Don't want to come out that way. (laughs) The coolest thing about that experience was after I treated myself to a pizza and chicken nuggets. Because I'm like, I just had a very difficult experience. Tourist comforts with food. I mean, that is one of the things like uh, <laughs> is about tourists. You found that emotional comfort in food. And what I thought what's interesting is what she said is after that experience, you were incredibly emotionally drained because that's the thing with the South Node is I, li- I like to call it the celestial draino. It's a place where we can actually consciously, once things come up, we can flush it away when we have like South node activations, so like I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm done with this. I'm going to flush it down. But it's also a uh, Drano in the sense of what sucks away at us and what drains us, you know, when you're having South node, node transits or activations or have a heavy configuration in your chart. Um, these are very draining aspects of life that once engaged in, you know, of course, this is an experiential thing because you just experienced, you know, the sun was like, Daniel, look at your Pluto and your South node. Um, and, you know, Scorpio being so emotional. And so is Pluto that uh, it just, the South node just pulled it all out of you. Um, and the only way to come back was the North node and Taurus. It's like, feed me Seymour, <laughs> put me on some comfortable uh, a couch and the things that I know and love right in front of me. And I'll just be here until I feel good again. <laughs> yeah. That pizza grounded me back. It was really good too. And I ate the whole thing in one sitting. It's the pizza you'll never forget. Never. Never. I mean, the, the chicken was good too, but it's nothing like a good pizza after a good horrific <laughs> past life experience. Now, of course, I do have to say the only reason I believe I experienced that is because I was ready for it. I'd been building up to that for years. There was no way I could have handled it if that came to me a couple of years ago. But I handled it, I think, beautifully because after I'm like, oh, I need a pizza right now. <laughs> And then I'll process that one. Just be eat a good old pizza. I'm good. So I don't want to scare anyone away from a past life regression because I, I will always stick by my guns too. I believe you will only be shown what you can handle. Yeah. And I think that um I think whatever comes up, like you said, you all, you're only shown what you can handle. Um, and even if it is intense, because you know, you went through the <laughs> little girl chuckling and probably horrific picture pictures in the mind. I went through, you know, intense, you know, crying and catharsis. Like it's sometimes usually actually our most developmental moments in life can bring us to the brink of something can bring us, uh, can bring pain, can bring shock, can bring, you know, chaos with, within us, you know, in order to process something. And I think we have to show up to that in life because we're, if we are not going to show up for that, then we're not going to evolve and grow as people because life is not always pleasant, but the release of something 
you know, like things that are very repressed and buried and, and understanding them, like the discomfort in the moment or the, or the emotional drain for the 24 hours after, or whatever that might accompany that. I mean, think of like a really good Reiki session or something where you just kind of come, come back or and recoup, you know, it's worth it because on the other side of it, you are regenerated. You have more understanding things make more sense. And that is always worth it, you know? And the thing is, is a lot of people have, not a lot of people, but a good amount of people have uh, issues sometimes with control. And you have to, you have to go in knowing that you don't know, you gotta be open-minded, you gotta be uh, just open in general to see what comes in. And I think that's a, and I feel like I asked you this when we on when I did a podcast with you a while back about if there were challenging people for in regressions, like the people that just seemed seemed to break through or you know came in doubting it to begin with, or or I'm only here because my wife got you know booked this for me or something like that. Um, there can be those blockages on it. Right. Cause I find that with astrology consults too, you know, a lot of times when people aren't ready or they're gifted when they're not ready, there's just, there's a wall up that it gets in the way of that happening, which can add to the disbelief of it. Right. Like astrology doesn't work or there's no such thing as past lives. Like you have to be open to receive those experiences, um, as a person, you know, to really gain from them. Yeah, I mean, I could go off on a tangent on that one, but I think that that was probably like the perfect way to end this. Thank you so much for an amazing episode. I think this was very informative. I didn't think I'd be talking about the clubbing experience, which I didn't, just alluded to it. But thank you for bringing that out of me. Everyone and- gets to write their fan fiction now about <laughs> Daniel's clubbing experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. Um, <laughs> Jesus. So Mel, where can everyone reach you? Where can everyone find you? Well, you can find me at energeticprinciples.com and over on Instagram at energetic principles. Um, and if you were to go over to this place, you would a find that I host a podcast called energetic principles, a podcast, um, that you can find on SoundCloud, uh, Apple podcasts, Spotify, and you can watch video versions on YouTube. Um, you'll also find that I do consultations one-on-one where you can, uh, book a natal chart consultation, which is known as, AKA your birth chart to look at, uh, such archetypes that we talked about here earlier, uh, and what is known as the natal promise. Um, and I also have consultations that look into forecasting where if you want to see what's coming for the year ahead, or if you want to do more of a spotlight into the next three months of your life and follow the astrology, I have consultations for that too. And that is kind of, maybe that's why I'm slowing down tomorrow (laughs) is because I'm always looking into the future and, uh, forecast astrology is one of my specialties. So if you're interested in that, you can come on over to energeticprinciples.com and book an appointment. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Mel. Oh, you're welcome. Anything for you, Daniel. Fellow time travelers, your journey through time awaits you. Just want to thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. And if you're interested in discovering who, when, and where you have been throughout time, 
and you'd like to book a sesh with me, just go ahead and send me a message on Instagram at the Past Life Regressionist, or you can reach me through my website, yourpastliferegressionist.com.